What's your story? Whether you're a client or an independent financial advisor, we know you face many important decisions that can affect your and your clients' long-term financial success. Welcome to the WIN Podcast. What's important now with Corey Hymanson, accredited investment fiduciary and president of Hymanson Wealth Advisors. In this podcast, Corey helps you identify your goals and objectives through financial education and comprehensive planning while inspiring you to make better behavioral decisions in your personal finance. With a twist on pop culture and current events, join us as we explore growth and protection strategies for individuals, advisors, and their businesses. Come and discover what's important to you now. And welcome to the What's Important Now or When podcast with your host, Corey Hymanson. Corey, it's it's always Great and a little different to be with you at these podcasts, but today uh, you're uh, okay. You're you're talking about curse words. I know there's a lot of cursing on Wall Street, but how are we doing curse words? Why, why wouldn't in we a podcast? Why wouldn't we? That's always well, my question. <laughs> good. I don't have an answer, so we'll, let's go. As as you said, it's always great to see me and visit with me. I, I thought you were going to say unnerving seemed to be the word that came well, to mind. <laughs> Amusing, not unnerving. Amusing yeah. and interesting. That, that's you know, yeah. that's good. You know, so the the best, maybe it's just from my seat. The, the best part of this show is when I craft the title, and then I deliver it to our production manager Amolia. <laughs> and so, here we go. This one's called the three curse words from from Corey's book, from the book that I wrote. And and she's looking at me right now. She's behind the glass, but she's looking at me with those big deer in the headlight eyes like, oh, geez, where are we going no, today? <laughs> no. So for you listeners out there, we sort of have guardrails on the outline for the show. Yours, but it have, is kind you of were, free yours for all. have fewer than most, my friend. Yours have <laughs> way fewer than most. Uh, definitely not a lot of script here. So yeah, yeah. She's wigged out over there. I can see it. But um, what we're going to do, we're going to work into this. I'm going to read the first paragraph of my book. And so some of you out there maybe already, you know, know what this is, or you can scramble through your house to go grab the copy, whatever. And, and, and for folks that you were, you were talking about doing the stop doing dumb things with your money, right? That's, that's exactly right. That's the title of the book. At the end of the show, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you how you can get one of these and, and I'm feeling generous. They'll be free today. All right. I there paid for mine, by the way. <laughs> 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 Well, there you go. That can go in my coffers for a rainy day, I guess. I don't know. Exactly. So here we go. Chapter one, and bear with me, folks. This isn't going to be super long, but I'm going to read this word for word. Religion, politics, money. These three words hold a tremendous amount of power, the power to win elections and build nations, the power to demolish friendships and distance loved ones. Maybe that's why they've earned a reputation as unmentionables when it comes to polite conversation. Religion, politics, and money are the most personal aspects of our lives. They're so intrinsically part of our identity that they can be non-negotiable and thus difficult to discuss. So as I set the book down, I think, why wouldn't we talk about them? Why not? Why Let's not? do it. You know, and yeah, granted, there's some things you don't want to argue with at, at the Thanksgiving feast or the, at the table right. <laughs> with those relatives that come around once a year. Or, but the, the one that jumps out at me, let's go with the first one, religion. And, and honestly, in my mind, I think of faith 
is maybe the word yeah. I'd rather pursue here. Um, so yeah, where do we go with that? You know, what is the definition of faith? You know, and, and I see that as complete trust essentially, or, or confidence in, in mm-hmm. something or, or someone, you know, maybe it's even the assurance of, of things you're hoping for, maybe, you know, and, yeah. and, and I think the word faith, a lot of people probably think of church and religion first, right? Or, right. or maybe, what's the word for that? Is it like supernatural faith or spiritual faith? Yeah, supernatural, metaphysical, faith beyond the physical realm, right? Yeah. And, and, and so I, well, that's, that's a great thing, you know, in my opinion. I, I don't want to go down the, the church path, essentially, today. You know, let, let's talk about faith, um, faith in things. So, I mean, as an investor, what's your first thought, Bill? I mean, do you need to have faith? Yeah, you have. Yes. You have to have faith that the research that you read was accurate. You have to have faith that you have done your homework properly and that, you know, you are going to invest that money and it will grow based on good rational decisions, but that, that, that decision to buy, which comes out of rationality, is faith because there's nothing guaranteed in the markets. For sure, for sure. And the thing that comes to my mind is uh, I'm going to Philadelphia here. I'm thinking, you know, the, the Philadelphia 76ers, the basketball team years ago, kind of coined the phrase, and maybe it came from management when they were getting ridiculed so often. It was trust the process. Mm. <laughs> it's, it hasn't really worked yet. <laughs> but Not but, for know, the 76ers, no. <laughs> you know, man, they've had some bad draft picks. But anyway, Ooh, I digress. Um Think about the process. I mean, boy, this can be applicable to so many things in a person's life. As the financial advisor or the wealth manager, I sit here and, you know, and and I look a client or a prospect in the face and I say, you know, you got to trust the process. Trust the intangibles, essentially. Trust the the faith in this probability and the history and, you know, all all these similar words. And at the end of the day, it still comes back to trust and and believing. Yeah. And man, that I mean, that's the same shit that's that's required in a in a relationship, you know, essentially, yes. right? And and so sometimes, not sometimes, frequently, I think people overthink stuff, overthink life, you know, and and most things work out if you put yourself in a good position, true, or if you hitch your wagons to the to the best horses. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's the idea, right? You want to find the best horses. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, and so I feel like I'm playing a word association game here. But if so, if I think about faith and trust, now I'm back to optimism. I, I always come back to that word because I'm an optimist at, at heart. Um, I don't know about you. Amelia's given me the thumbs up over there. She, she's optimistic, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, we all, we all, all of us in the room are optimistic. Yes. <laughs> well, I think it's better than the alternative. And, and that sounds silly. That's like, is life better than death? I don't know. But I mean, I'll throw, the, I'll throw you a question. I was going to say a statement, but I'll throw you a question. I mean, do you think it, it pays off or, or happiness really only is achieved by those that are optimistic? No, but I think people who are optimistic have a head start. 
I think the pessimist can be pleasantly surprised and thus be happy, but they live in a state of, you know, where they're constantly like, but whereas an optimist, you know, fundamentally has a positive, happy view of life. Yeah, it, it just, it, it's hard for me to, to think like a pessimist when I'm wired, I think, to be in the other camp. Yeah. You know, it, but it, but it's funny. I think of a, this was a joke, but it, it was in the form of a letter. And it said, Dear Optimist, Pessimist, and Realist, while you were arguing over that glass of water, I drank it. Signed, <laughs> The Opportunist. <laughs> you know, and, and so as we connect words, opportunist or opportunity or taking advantage of opportunity comes to mind too. I mean, yes. Uh, these are cool words. I'm getting all fired up here. I like that. I like the opportunist. <laughs> I've never, and I have not heard, I've not heard the glass of water story with the opportunist in it before. So that's excellent. You know, I mean, but it, it really is true. I mean, pretty easy for people to sit here and play the half empty or half full glass right. card, but it takes a little, uh, is moxie the word, to, you know, to step off the ledge and, and, and take advantage of an opportunity, whether that's an investment. Yes, it does. Whether that's, uh, asking out uh, uh, a love interest. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way to say that. But well, you know no, I mean. man. Do you remember? I go, man, I remember the first time I asked a girl out on a date when I was a teenager. But that, was, that was a terrifying moment. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we should unpack that, Bill. No, we're not going <laughs> to unpack that. Bill got over that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, and... It, it's funny, opportunity, opportunity or opportunist type situations. You know, I get this one a lot. Whenever markets are down, I get, and I'm here in the Midwest, so I, I get a lot of people that know what farmland is, or you know, yes. they know somebody who owns farmland, and I, I get this one all the time. It, it's like, you know, markets are down, their accounts, and their statements are showing some negative numbers, and they'll say, "Well, I should have just bought farmland." You know, I can go kick dirt and kick rocks and feel it and touch it, you know, and that would have been a great opportunity 40 years ago. Well, come on, you know, anybody can look back 40 years and, you know, figure out who they should have asked out on the date or didn't or, you know, right. any of that stuff. Nobody ever, ever, ever has sat in my office or in my conference room and said, boy, I can't believe how much money I'm making in my investment accounts. I wish I would have bought land. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the, the point of this, I don't know what the point of this is, but I, I think it is people just like to look for that golden ring or that shoulda, coulda, woulda type thing. Yeah. But it takes the, now we're back to the realist to, to unpack things and, and identify that we, I, you, nobody's going to get this perfectly right. Life is a series of making the best educated decisions and choices you can. And generally, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out quite well. Nobody is going to be the number one investor in the history of time. Somebody's got to be, I guess. But, it, you know, statistically, it's not going to happen. You try to beat the bank returns. You build your nest egg. You do it in a tax-smart way. And you move on about your business and enjoy the things that are maybe more important than money. Oh, you mean there's something more important than money? Wow. A, fr <laughs> a friend of mine that uh, used to work on Wall Street, and I maybe have dropped this 
tidbit in one of the earlier podcasts, you know, his joke was that money isn't everything, but it comes right behind oxygen. <laughs> you know, he was a trader on the floor before computers did most of the trading and, you know, yeah. and that that's that's a whole another lifestyle that we could go into but i mean as people have birthdays and as people accumulate assets it's interesting to me that then the assets don't become as important you know and, that, and that's hard for people to wrap their mind around when they're in their 20s and 30s and they're buying baby formula and diapers and fixing the car that just broke down and yeah uh and i get it i get it i'm here to tell it like it is and it's not an easy road for everybody there, there's health issues there's aging family i mean ugh, we can go all day with a with a depressing list but we don't want to do that no no bad for podcasts bad for podcasts. <laughs> You know, and, not good and, and and so i talk about people being successful and accumulating things here's the funny part and most advisors will never release this dirty secret, but I like it when people spend and draw down their investments. Oh. Let me say that again. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, people like me in this business get paid by the assets we manage. Right. And so a lot of us, I shouldn't say us, a lot of posers in this industry only want to accumulate assets of their clients and they don't ever want them to take a withdrawal and they'll shame them you know when they want to take a withdrawal for something like they're they're doing the wrong thing and they're ruining their future no this is about hopes and dreams and spending the money my my you know my by all means if you've worked hard saved hard you should enjoy the money and the problem is i see this a lot people that are really good at accumulating money sometimes don't want to spend it yeah, I, I know a couple of people who are, have been very, very successful at accumulating money and painfully uh, reluctant to spend any of the money. And I'm talking about a good chunk of money. And, you know, they do all kinds of crazy things to avoid spending the money. And, and, I, and, I, and I have said to them, what's the point? What is what is the point in, in in you know accumulating these assets and this wealth if you're not going to use them to enjoy do what you want to do money can't buy you happiness but money can give you a path to doing the things that you want to do right Corey oh absolutely absolutely you know and I'm having a flashback this this was a case study I was reading it was not a client of our firm but it was a situation where uh, a very successful, high-earning individual, still working, you know, inherited or was in line to essentially inherit $25 million Okay, and had five children. And so what the person did was basically disclaim it or say that he didn't want the money. We're just going to skip it. I'm in a high tax bracket. I don't want the $25 million. So I'm going to skip my, my place in line and it can go to the five kids equally. All right, fine, dandy. Right. Then he put stipulations on it where they would loan the money back to him. He would pay them some interest <laughs> and eventually they'll inherit, you know, it back someday. You know, it, it's just a big circus of moving the money around, you know. And one could say, when you start getting into a wealth category at that level, yeah. you are so... I don't want to say addicted to the game. You're so ingrained into tax consequences and things that, you know, you don't want to pay taxes on it, but by all means, I'm not going to just let it 
go to somebody else. <laughs> Not right. yet, you know. It's just interesting, you know, man, I can think about that in so many ways. I get it. I understand it, but a psychologist could probably really dive into that. You know what I mean? There's got to be a lot more going on there that control issues, you know, who knows what. Now, I'm not saying that 30-year-old kids should inherit $5 million a piece and just be able to burn through it. I'm not saying that. But right. we talk about guardrails earlier. I mean, you can put guardrails on guardrails for any kind of planning situation you want to do without having to make it so damn complicated. Yeah, and it's probably not a bad idea. Uh, when you, you know, in, in certain circumstances where you do have those guardrails, it's just, just why it's just, it's just wise fiscal or financial practice. That's what guardrails are for. That's why they put them like on the edge of a cliff and stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. It's the perfect definition of what a guardrail is. Hopefully you hit the guardrail and guardrail stops you and then why, you're okay. Yeah. So this seems to make sense in a lot of avenues, but anyway, yeah. So, you know, I, I know we're burning through time here, but, you know, let, let's briefly go on to the next two of, of the nasty words. You know, and if we say politics, boy, that I can I can feel people getting fired up already. There's right there. fire. There's <laughs> fire happening out there right now, Corey. Oh, no, it, this is nothing new. I mean, man, since since the Constitution was drafted and we tried to separate church and state, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's people going to be having issues forever, regardless of uh, red flags and blue flags or, you know, whoever's waving what banner. Oh, you know what? I remember my grandparents, not my parents, okay, my grandparents saying that you never talk about religion and politics in mixed company. I mean, this is to your point. This is not like a this is not like a 2023 kind of thing. This is a long, long standing thing. Yeah, and, and, and the light bulb that comes on in my head when you say that is all the time you hear people say, "Geez, it's different this time. Our world's just going down the tank." And I'm not really just even talking politics. I'm just saying in general, you hear yep. pessimistic rhetoric. And that just, your story tells me that, no, it's probably not different this time. It's the same stuff that's been going on for hundreds of years. You know, it's just new headlines. Yep. Um, stick to your knitting, stick to what you can control and have faith in, in better outcomes on everything else, maybe. And, you know, and it's like, it, at some point, at some point, people, you know, realize there, there are people I can talk about politics with, and there are people I can't. And sometimes you may find people that you can't talk politics with will suddenly engage in politics, and you might have a really great discussion. But what you really, I think, learn, Corey, is that it's only politics. <laughs> yeah. And a I don't even know if I should play this card here, but, you know, a friend of mine always says that, you know, think of one of your acquaintances that's of really average mentality and now realize that half the world's dumber than that guy. <laughs> you know, and, and so the reason the reason i hear or i think of that and your story, point being corey yeah what's the, what's the point of that uh, the point of that i think is in society some people are really educated some are not some are really really smart some are not some are educated on politics some are not i mean so 
anytime you bring up a hot button topic, some people are going to be more educated or, or, or well-versed. I mean, yeah. not everybody can have a, a good conversation or a debate on, on things. And so I think when you put in hot button type topics, things get a little out of hand and, yeah. and you and I off the air, we even talked about media, you know, I mean, that, and you've got a media background, but I mean, boy, you, you watch some of the, the nightly shows now, doesn't matter which camp you're in. You can, you can get pretty extreme commentary or, or opinions from either oh, yeah. side. And, and I don't know if that's just what sells or if that's just the environment we're in. Well, no, that, that is that what we have learned, <clears throat> what, what has happened in a more stark way than ever before is what people putting out news and information has learned is that they can cater to people. So they will cater to the right wing or they'll cater to the left wing. And it, and it's a deliberately designed serving to people. They are trying to cater to and a little secret here, Corey, that, you know, behind the scenes, all the people that are cooking up the dish and serving it don't necessarily believe in the dish so, <laughs> <laughs> on either side, I should, I should say. So, yeah, no, it's true. Well, it, it it's probably like about any business, though. You know, if I run a car dealership, is it easier for me to sell more cars to my existing customers that I've hopefully treated well in the past? Or do I need to keep trying to find new customers to buy cars? So it's probably easier to work with those that are already in your database or in your camp, right? so to speak, versus branching out, you know, exactly. the 80, 20 rule or whatever they say, you know, or most of your business comes from the top end of, of the business clientele or something. I don't know, but regardless. <laughs> it's true though. It's true. I would imagine you find that particularly true in, in, in your business. Yeah, you know, I, we can give really great ideas and planning strategy to everybody across the spectrum in our in our client book of business, but a certain percentage of them don't care, or they're they don't have the wherewithal to tackle a new idea or a new concept. You know, right. and and at the end of the day, you know, hate to say this, but the people we like to work with on a personal basis and the ones that are respectful and responsible and open-minded to, to our teachings, they're probably going to get the better service and, and the quicker return phone call. You sure. know what? Yeah. And again, a lot of advisors maybe wouldn't say that in the public eye, but you know, it's, it's true. I tell it like it is, you know, and if I break some eggs on this deal, break some eggs, you know? Well, no, I, I, and I can't help but think I, 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 this is me. Okay. I, this is, this is totally me. But I, I like people who are like that, right? I like I like people who are upfront. I like to know where and in the case of, you know, a financial advisor, I like to know where they are and I like to know what they think. It doesn't mean that they're right. It does mean we could have a conversation if we disagree, you know. In, internally we've joked about creating a new tagline of, you know, we only work with optimistic investors. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I like that. I like that tagline. I like my, that too. Actually. And my yeah, staff, like my staff's like, you can't say that. You're going to offend some pessimist. I'm like, historically, if we look at the people that we had as clients who were pessimistic, eventually they just weren't happy because they're always complaining about something. Right. <laughs> so maybe we, maybe we, uh, ixnay them by using a very great word there, uh, before they ever get in the door. What? 
you know, <laughs> look, really and truly, going back to the beginning of this conversation, you have to be a fundamentally optimistic person to sit down with somebody to plan your finances and to invest your money. If you are really and truly a pessimist, you are not going to be easily persuaded into investments because you believe ultimately they're not going to work out. You're not going to be persuaded to follow financial advice because you believe ultimately that advice probably is not going to be worth anything. So I support <laughs> you. Put my vote in the boardroom. We only work with optimists. We we might have really broken into something new here. I'm kind of, wow, that's, that's solid. I'm going to go. We're going to have a staff meeting as soon as I get out of here. <laughs> Burn all the literature that we got in the cabinet. But you're right. We've had pep pessimistic people come in, clients or even, you know, usually prospects. And they're so damn negative. They just came in to complain, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they thought I was a therapist, I guess, which I am sometimes. Well, you are. You, I mean, in all fairness to them, by the way, you, you kind of are. So, yeah, tell me this, Bill. We'll, we'll dive into this a little deeper. If I had a... A, a two minute video on my website that basically said who we work with and why. And it basically says you got to be an optimist or we don't even want you to call us. Would that be an entertaining and interesting video to you? I think so. Absolutely. I'm not, in the, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm sure not in the world of giving people business advice, but I like that, I, you know, cause it's like, okay, because that would appeal to me, which is why I'm laughing and going, yeah, do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. For those of you listening out there, the website might be revamped. Q2. <laughs> Q2 2024. There you go. Oh, man. That's good stuff. We've come a long ways. We haven't even got to the third word, so I don't know how much time we need to put in on money, but we all know what money is. Well, this is do, all. You know? like, come on. Let's just, let's just say, let's just zone up to the elephant in the room. This is all about money. All of these other topics and everything else have, have touched on money at one point during this conversation. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, if I have an elevator speech of what my career is, I can sugarcoat it all I want. I can dance around stuff. But at the end of the day, it's about money. It's about yeah. money making money so that people can do what they want to do. Exactly. Exactly. But let's not dismiss that sentence because it's about making money so that people can take that money and do what they want to do. And again, maybe it's giving that money to your family. Maybe it's spending it. Maybe it's... Right. Charity. I don't care what you do. Go on 10 trips around the world. You know, enjoy the money. Make some memories. You know? That's the healthiest thing I've heard from anybody in a long time. I think it would, <laughs> you know, true. It's true, though, isn't it, Corey? I, I, aren't your client? I just, and I don't know the answer to this question. So, you know, I don't know what kind of answer I'm going to get. But aren't the clients that you work with who have made money and have decided to take that, take some of that money? and do things that they want to do happier? Absolutely. Those that never spend it, what happens is a lot of times they have lots and lots of birthdays and then they get up to an age where their kids don't even need the money because they've accumulated their own as well. And pretty soon people are getting pessimistic that their life was easier when they didn't have money. Oh gosh. And that's a sad outcome. I'd rather see yeah. them burn it all and just I hate to say burn it all and you have nothing left and you live off social security. No, it's not really ideal, but um, enjoy the money. Yeah, that's we we really don't do a lot of variable annuity business. These are annuities that are supposed to create a pension and income stream. And the right. industry is notorious for this, that they offer all these guarantees 
and everybody's afraid to turn them on and start taking money because they don't want to pay taxes. such a twisted world man you know so that's something we're trying to improve our our depth of education on anybody that has one of these that transferred it in from a different advisor or for you know it's like hey let's let's make lemonade out of this stuff and and enjoy that money you know so yeah well boy this has been a different kind of podcast for people who are used (laughs) to listening to uh Financial advisors uh, preach frugality and discipline and basically never spending the money you make, if if you will, you know. Frugality and discipline are two things nobody's ever accused me of. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Killing it. That's fantastic. Well, look, Corey, we could probably keep going on for a while because I think you and I probably you know, should put guardrails on our conversation or we just keep going. <laughs> I, I'm sure that there are some people who are listening to you who are not clients and, and, and who are thinking, this is an interesting conversation. I'd like to get in touch with that guy. <laughs> so how do they reach out to that guy and get a hold of you? Jeez, now I'm thinking of a, of, a t- of a T-shirt line that has two thumbs on it. That guy, you know that what I guy. mean? <laughs> um, yeah, whoever you are out there, reach out to us. It's the phone number, 800 800- six five seven four three one six and if you want a copy of the stop doing dumb things with your money book just holler at us and we'll send it to you no charge at all it's a good book it's a good book if you're giving it especially if you're giving it away free because that 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 involves doing no dumb things with your money (laughs) (laughs) making one phone call that's all it takes that's it well, Greg, Corey, as always, it's been a wonderful, pleasurable, and interesting conversation. Thank you so much. And listeners, if you listen to this and you're not a subscriber, <laughs> I think you need to hit the subscribe button now. That way, you don't have to remember where or when you heard this or how often Corey comes out with his podcast, because by being a subscriber, it will be delivered to you the next time Corey has an episode and you m- won't miss out on anything. And if you like it, we, you know, maybe you could rate it. Give us a rating and share it with other people and help other folks learn about this podcast. For Corey and everybody he works with at Hymanson, I'm Bill Tucker thanking you and reminding you, don't wait to live your best life. Live it today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Win Podcast. What's important now? The show that helps you achieve your financial dreams. To ask questions about topics covered during the show or get a copy of Stop Doing Dumb Things With Your Money by Corey Hymanson, visit www.hymansonwealth.com or give us a call at 712-472-3867. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Hymanson Wealth Advisors and Securities America are separate entities.